Bethany McDonald is a British performer who recently moved to New York City from London to originate the lead role of Mindy in her off-Broadway debut for the world premiere of Mike and Mindy's Wild Weekend Jam. Bethany trained professionally for four years across Barcelona and London, graduating with honors from the world-renowned London School of Musical Theatre. A few select credits include Annette in Saturday Night Fever on board Royal Caribbean's Liberty of the Seas, featured vocalist at Christina Modesto's A Night at the Musicals at Off West End's Southwark Playhouse, Deb in Ordinary Days, and Samantha in the original reading of More Than a Feeling by Sandy Rustin. In addition to her love of the stage, Bethany also loves being in the recording studio and recently performed as a studio vocalist on a new record for In Demand Radio in Liverpool. Bethany is currently originating the starring role of Frances Farmer in the new musical Brilliance. Brilliance chronicles the meteoric rise and tragic fall of Frances Farmer, a Hollywood movie star in the 1930s and 40s. The play takes us from the beginning of Frances's career, through her unprecedented success, to her involuntary commitment to an insane asylum by her own mother. The musical is currently playing at the Players Theatre for a three-week limited engagement, April 7 to 24, 2022. Originating a role has always been a huge goal of Bethany's, and she is so incredibly grateful that since she arrived in New York in September, she has had the opportunity to originate both Mindy Pesci in Mike and Mindy's Wild Weekend Jam and Francis Farmer in Brilliance. When Bethany is not performing, she loves doing yoga and playing the drums. She also loves FaceTiming her family and young nephews in the UK and drinking coffee. A lot of coffee. Bethany believes that life is an exciting adventure, and you will end up right where you are meant to be if you believe in yourself and take that leap of faith. What is meant to be will always find a way. For Brilliance tickets and info, visit musicalbrilliance.com. For more information on Bethany McDonald, visit her website, bethanymcdonald.co.uk. That's B-E-T-H-A-N-Y-M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D.co.uk. Welcome, Bethany. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> so nice to have you here and be uh, looking at your face even more. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so much time I know. Together. I know. We do. We really do. Yeah. How are so, you? I, I am wonderful. I, I've, as I was sharing with you earlier, I had some makeup sleep and just a nice getting life stuff done and preparing for this show today. It's been great. Um, yeah. What about you? How's your day been? Good. I had a lie-in for once because we don't have the show today. Um, I will say though, I know this sounds silly, but like I miss the show because we've been doing it. We've been doing rehearsals since March 1st and the most we've had off has been one day in between that now it's like, I'm ready to go back tomorrow now. I don't, I don't know. I just miss it already. (laughs) It sounds really silly because I do need to sleep and I do need to do normal life things. But yeah, I've had a good day. I had like a vocal massage earlier today where they like work out any tension and things and just had a pretty low key day today resting because we're back on Thursday, (laughs) ready to go again. Yeah. And frequently that one day off that we would have between rehearsals, I was spending that day trying to get the dances down and the songs, right. So you being the lead, I'm sure you were doing a lot of that as well. Yeah, I'd be doing my laundry listening to the soundtrack, <laughs> like in my head, doing my drying and dancing to the songs in the laundrette. <laughs> so yeah. because you are also an artist, this is how you make your living. And we're interviewing you. This is an artist interview. I would like to know, when did art enter your life? Ooh. Um, I think, well, I've always since being a little girl, I was constantly singing. 
like my granddad and my mom would always video me when I was about two years old and be like, sing us a song, sing us a song all the time. It was just a thing that I was always the one singing around the house. Um, and when I was, pro- I think I started musical theatre pretty late because I did gymnastics for about 10 years when I was younger. Um, instead of doing, you know, musical theatre from being five, I was a gymnast till I was about 13. Um, and then I started going to musical theatre classes when I was about 14, just on the weekends and just fell in love with all of it because I'd always danced, I'd always sang and I wanted to be a singer. When I was younger, I wanted to be like a pop singer. Um, and I always used to say, I want to be one of those pop singers like Cheryl Cole, like when I was younger, because she used to sing and dance in her concerts. And that was like, I want to do both. I don't want to just do one. So then when I discovered musical theatre and it was like, oh, this is actually, this is exactly what musical theatre is. You do all three at the same time, singing, dancing and acting. I kind of just fell in love with it when I was about 14. And then when I, I went to private school and it was very, a very academic school, we didn't really have, we didn't really have a very good drama program or anything like that. So when I was 16 in England, you leave high school at 16, not 18. Um, and you can go to college, which is like two years. And then at 18, you go to university, which is what you guys call college. So it's all very confusing. But um, when I was 16, I left my very academic school and I went to a theatre school for two years as college. And that's why I did full time. And as soon as I did that, I was like, this is all I want to do. I never want to go into a biology class ever again. I only want to sing, dance and act. This is it. Um, so I think I've, I think it entered my life very early just being being young and being like my family encouraging me as a young girl to sing everything that I could possibly think of all the time I used to make up songs and my mum would film it on the big camera and it, there's so many home videos of me singing 130 rounds so yeah a very long time it's been in my life that's so interesting because um like you I, I have always been a performer and it was yeah. before long before I didn't become an actor until I was 40 and but my whole life I was performing when I was managing when I was doing the fine dining I was very posh and like you know doing yeah. the shtick and when I uh, was building a community radio station and had to do public speaking for the whole station you know there's a lot of performance in that and yeah some not all of us there's certainly not all of us but some of us that make our living as an actor that just seems to be the case it's in our DNA that we yeah. are just meant to be performers. The acting side of it came really late for me because I was a very shy child unless I was around my family. So like talking to strangers or anything, when I was young, I just wouldn't do it. I was so painfully shy. I just, I couldn't speak. I had a piano teacher for three years. I didn't speak a word to her, like not a single word. I would just nod the whole time. And I bet she thought it was really rude, but I just couldn't, I couldn't speak to her. I was so shy, it, which is so strange. Um, so growing up and going to a musical theatre class, I did it because I wanted to sing and dance. I didn't want to act. And when it got to the acting hour, I'd be like, oh, don't pick me, don't pick me. And I, I don't know why I was so scared of it, but that's actually come a lot later but in like the last, probably the last eight years, I've started to actually start to really grow into the acting side of it. And that's now one of the main things I love about it is, is telling the story. So you, 
you do feel passionate about gymnastics or exercise in some way, like extremely passionate, yes? Not extremely passionate. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think of something other than performing. If I was going to do something else, it would be something to do with moving your body because I love dance so much and I love that. That's like, in my mind, the closest thing to performing is something to do with like exercise and like leading something. But to be honest, like, I really don't, I really, if I think about it, I am not a technical person. My part, my boyfriend, Austin, is the technical one. So like, if there's a reel to be made, I'm like, can you help? Because I can't do it. Um, because I have only ever really focused on performing. And that's what I mean. It's like, I don't have those other things that like, oh, I could lean on doing this. I actually don't. Like I, I have like put all of my energy and all of my like life purpose into doing performing. And like, that's it. So like, that's the only thing I'm actually passionate about fully. I could do other things in the meantime, but I wouldn't, I would never ever choose to do anything other than perform. Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So you did, you kind of answered it. I was going to ask you like, if (laughs) uh, if you were going to do something else, let's say something happened and you could no longer yeah um, be any kind of actor any kind of uh stage performer or screen performer so you would do some yoga you said is there anything else that uh you think you would really enjoy because in order to get to the level of ability that you have with our craft it takes a lot of what it what is required to do well at anything i think you understand that you have great ability and you've put a lot of time and dedication into that so what else do you think you you would enjoy although it wouldn't be your life's passion if it wasn't actually performing can it be in the same vein or no can it be not in the same we're creating this world together sure (laughs) (laughs) i was just gonna say i would love to be a casting director and like be on the other side of the table and put together a cast of people and also I would love at some point to direct something at some point in my career later on, because I would love to, I, I always have a lot of ideas of how something could go. And I'd love to be the person to play with the actors who who do that. And like, ha- that's why I love doing our show because it's so, it's brand new. We have the chance to bring our own ideas to the table. And that for me is like half the fun of it. It's like, you get to create this brand new thing. And I think when you're a director, you have so much leeway to like, you know, this is how we're going to try it. And there's different, there's different ways. And I, I would love to cast a show and I would love to eventually direct something down the line. Um, I have no good answers other than actually oh. in this industry. <laughs> I don't know. I'm Fine. not good. This is terrifying. <laughs> and I would, I would encourage you to lean into that terror to give you the, the the you know inspiration you need to get off your butt if that becomes a thing like you know be afraid and make it happen uh for sure so going back a little bit um you know you'd said early on with piano lessons you were completely mute you you didn't say a word (laughs) (laughs) maybe not maybe not mute uh, um but uh very quiet and shy and it's interesting because in our industry as there are so many performers who um who we describe or they describe themselves as extroverted introverts. They've learned to make themselves be more social and vocal. Would you, would you describe yourself that way? Oh yeah. I am 
a huge introvert, like humongously. And I think I've I've had to really work on pushing myself out of that box because again, that's you can't be a full introvert and go and perform on stage for thousands of people. That's not how it works. Like usually introverts don't want to do that. They want to do the exact opposite. So I've, I've always been the kind of person who in me and my personal life, I'm quite an introvert. But then as soon as it goes on to performing, it's like I've left that person behind. And that's, that's kind of been the same since I was younger. You know, my family would be like, oh my God, was that Bethany? Like, you know, two minutes ago, she didn't ask for ketchup in McDonald's because she didn't want to bother anyone. But now she's like singing on stage in front of a hundred people. You know, it's, it's weird. It's like there's, there's me and there's like my life, my personal life, Bethany McDonald. And then there's like, when we go to perform, this is a different ball game. And like, I think the hardest thing for me has been trying to marry the two where when I was on a contract on board Liberty of the Seas, um, I went to do Saturday Night Fever and I played Annette in Saturday Night Fever and that was great, loved it. But as part of my contract, I had to do a jazz set for like a small lounge, an evening lounge. Um, and they said, you need to introduce yourself to the crowd and tell them a bit about yourself and then go into your songs. And I was like, what? What do you mean? Like, like I had to be me, but on stage. And I was terrified. I was like, what, I was like, what am I going to say? I'm going to sound so stupid. And I was like trying to make it as, as literally as short as possible. I was like, hi, my name is Bethany McDonald. I'm from England. Let's five, six, seven. I was like, let's, let's go. Like, can we not just start the music? It freaked me out, but I had a year of that. So that was like the chance to just start to marry the two and get over that fear. And now it's so different. I'm so grateful that that was part of the contract because I never would have chosen that. I would have done everything to run away from that. But the fact that I had to do it now, I'm starting to get better at the being me on stage thing rather than being a character. Like that's the hardest bit for me as an introvert is to be myself, but on stage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever have any kind of improv training or was that that experience kind of your only chance at exploring improvisational riffing? We had improv in theater school, but it was usually like really over the top improv. It was like we're going to be like one of our it was kind of like clown stuff, you know, like mimey things or, you know, playing games improv games of you know someone sits on the bench and then you go up to them and try and get them to go off the bench you try and get them to move by doing something to freak them out and it wasn't really like normal life improv it was kind of like specific scenes so I I feel like if someone was to say improvise you know I don't have that much training in that but now being me at my age and like at this time in my life now I would be a lot more able to do that than I would even just a year ago. I just feel a lot more settled in like, it's all gonna be okay. No one's gonna shoot you because you said your name on stage, like it's gonna be fine, <laughs> you know? So yeah, I did have a little bit of it, a training, but it wasn't very specific to general improv and yeah. Sure, but invaluable, it sounds like nonetheless. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure between the first time that you had to do that jazz, cabaret thing to the last one before you left the boat you probably were two different performers completely
I actually have like a video of the last one and I was like cracking jokes and everything at the front and I look back at it and I'm like oh my gosh I remember having like freaking out in my cabin 10 minutes before the first jazz set thinking what am I going to say what if I say it wrong and at the end I was just like joking with the audience and people were talking back to me and it was like that's huge like for me that was one of the main things I gained from that whole contract that I got to do I was able to do that at the end of it and for how shy I am, like deep down inside, that was like a massive achievement, you know? Yeah. So going back to you at the age where you were shying on the piano, how did you go from there to formal education to New York? I am a, I am one of four children. I am the third out of four. So me and my little sister stuck together our whole childhood. We were really close in age, so we'd always have each other. Um, so I think us separate from each other was immediately felt like we were a bit naked because we were like, we kind of grew up like twins. So anytime that we had to do something alone, it was a little bit like, where's my bud? Like, where's my friend? We were just so together all the time. And I think that kind of played into it when, we were in different age groups and we, we had to be separate. It, it used to scare me when I was, when I was a little girl. Um, but then we, we went into gymnastics, we went into cheerleading and we went into dance together. We both, we did it all together. And I just re I really fell in love with it. Like I said, when I was a teenager and um, I met my best friend when I was 14 at theater, at theater class. And we went to college together. And I feel like that was like, when we went to college, it was the it was the first time I was in a class with boys when I was sixteen because I was in an all girls private school till being sixteen. So it was like that was a whole new thing, how to like communicate with people who aren't girls. Like that was weird, you know. It was like it was like I had I feel like I had a very sheltered upbringing. My whole like training um, was very different to most people's. Um, in England, you do a degree course and it's three years, and I trained for four years, but at four different institutions. Um, I started a degree course when I was 18 it, at the Institute of the Arts Barcelona in, in Barcelona. Um, and after a year, my teachers were saying to me that, you know, we think you should go back to London and train in London because the training at the time, it was like the first ever year they'd ever done um, musical theater course. So it was like kind of like we were the guinea pig year in Barcelona. And they were like, we think you need to go back to London to go and train with like those, you know, the the really like well-established schools because they're so competitive and it's like, it'll make you grow so much more. Um, but at that point I'd missed the auditions because it was summer. I'd missed the auditions for that year coming up. So I, um, I heard about this other school in Liverpool called Rare Studios. And I went to their final audition. I was just in time for the final audition. And I got in and I did a year course there and it was fantastic. And then I re-auditioned for the degree courses again at all the London schools. Um, and I got on the reserve list for like my dream school and then didn't get it because nobody dropped out of the course. And I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, so, but then I got, I, I got into a different degree course. This is my third year. I went and started my degree again, did one year and hurt my back in a dance class 
had to sit out for the last couple of months of the year and I was like I can't I can't do this for two more years and I can't sit out for two more years I, I need to go and learn I need to go to an acting school and a singing school somewhere that like basically it was a very dance heavy school this 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 college and it's a great school but like it wasn't it made me realize how much I want to sing and act I don't want to just dance um so at the end of the year after sitting out for a few months after really hurting my back I I left with like no plan when I was 21 and I was like okay now I'm panicked I've 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 had like three years of training and if I'd stayed in Barcelona, I'd be graduating now with a degree. But now I've left, I've started two degree courses and I've got no plan. And I was like, I had this, this probably about three days of eating pizza and feeling sad for myself. And then I woke up one day and I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do it myself. Maybe I don't need to go to a college. Maybe I just need to do as many workshops as I can possibly do. Go and meet as many people as I possibly can. And hopefully I'll get an agent and they can send me for auditions. And this was my plan. So I came downstairs with my notepad and wrote my plan down. My mum remembers this like it was yesterday. She's like, I remember that day you came down with your notepad and you were like, I'm going to take on the world. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and anyway, long story short, I, I applied for my first casting director at workshop. Um, and it was full. They put me on the reserve list. Somebody dropped out, so I managed to go. I went to London and I met this casting director and I sang for him and I told him my situation and he was like, let's go for a coffee and a chat next week and let's talk about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, amazing. Went back to London, spoke to him and he told me about this other school and he said, there's one school that I really think would be a good a good road for you. It's only one year, but their, their year is full for this year and they have a huge reserve list because it's so like, it's like a really good school, one of like the best schools in London. And he said, but I know the principal and I'll give him a call and see if he'll see you. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay. So we're walking through London and this casting director I've just met calling the principal of this school saying, I've got this girl here and she's really, I know I've seen her sing and act, she's, she's fantastic, all this. Um, I think you should audition her. And the principal said, um, okay, the thing is I have a full, a full year of 40 students and a full reserve list of like 20 students. So if anyone drops out, it goes to the reserve list. You know, what's the chances of half the year dropping out? Not very high. But he said, if you, if you can, if you're recommending her, I will see her. So I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. So then the, the next week I turned up at the school, went in, auditioned for all the heads of the, the college, like head of acting, head of singing, head of dance, did scales on the piano and had an interview and, this whole thing and I absolutely loved it as soon as I walked in the building it was like I could hear people belting over there and I could hear people acting and I was like I want to sing and act and dance but I want to sing and act you know this is like the thing I want to do and it felt like the first time I'd walked into a school and gone this is what I want this is where I want to be and I did this audition and it went really well and I went home and I was like I did my best we'll just see what happens and then the next morning I got a call from the principal and he said, um, we absolutely loved you and um, we want to offer you a place. So we're just going to, they, they basically like put me ahead of the reserve list and like gave me an extra place on the course. And usually there's 40 people on the course 
and I, that all year had 41 because <laughs> it was me so like in within two weeks of like leaving this college and like feeling so desperately don't know what I'm gonna do and like all my friends are graduating right now and I'm like I feel like I'm back at square one I was like about to start this course and this incredible school and I like that from that moment on that's when everything changed I went and did this year course it was amazing I had the best time the best training I got an agent from that school and I went to the to go to the ship that was like my first audition out of college was that Royal Caribbean audition and I got the job and that's where I met my boyfriend now on the ship and he's American and this is his room <laughs> so it all worked out <laughs> but um basically I feel like my long story short is my whole um what's it called not quote but like motto is follow your gut because I could have easily stayed in Barcelona with the beach and my friends and this lovely lifestyle and most of my friends stayed there and they got the degree and they loved it and they are dancing now and doing what they want to do but I knew that wasn't for me my teachers knew that wasn't for me and like each year I did the scary thing because I felt like that was where it was going to take me to be the best I could be I didn't really follow the crowd and I feel like that's what's made me get to New York now because I didn't do the normal thing so that is the very long very very long story of my, my life <laughs> so, right. I, I've yeah. never considered you anywhere in the world normal too so that's great no I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> well we know that Isaac don't we we know I'm not normal <laughs> where there is love Spain um and, and you know perhaps you had perhaps your focus was entirely on academia or your, your your training but then also because you spent almost all of your life to this point in um England uh yeah has everything outside of England just been like mind-blowing eye-opening what's that been like as a Brit not in your homeland and what was Spain like? Um, Spain was incredible. It was the first time I ever moved away from home and I moved to Spain. My mom was heartbroken. <laughs> um, she nearly didn't let me go. Um, no, it was actually, it was really, it was probably 
the thing that changed me the most from being a child to being an adult because I learned, you know, how to cook a meal properly. I got there and I I met a girl the first night and she told me how to use how to cook the pasta on the stove that I didn't understand and like it was things that like you wouldn't think about because you're at home and it's like just going from being at home and being like looked after by your mom and your family and things and then going and being completely alone and having to go to the laundrette with your with your washing and and going to the shops and buying all your food and cooking your meals and things like that and it was I remember I, I went in September and I came home for Christmas in December and my mum said you are so different like she didn't recognize me like she was like you're so much more conscious of everything in the house and I was like so much more helpful I've never been like a messy person but I, I was like I was like I'll do the dishes I'll, do you want me to cook tea do you want anything do you want me to oh I'll go to the shops like because it was just I was so much more used to doing that for myself I appreciated it and I think that was like a huge difference that was like the end of me being a child and then the beginning of me starting to look after myself it was like a really big coming of age year for me um and as a as a child we went on a lot of cruises as holidays because my mum hates flying she's got a lot better now but like she had this humongous fear of being on a plane so from being two our summer holidays were driving down to the to the cruise port and going on a two-week cruise for summer so I saw quite a lot of Europe doing that so when I went to Spain it didn't feel like this alternate universe it felt like oh I know what this is like I remember this this feels like when we're on holiday it felt kind of like a second home in a way it was very different but it wasn't terrifying um and then I think for me the thing that feels the most foreign is New York New York is like the most foreign thing. I came here for four days in college and I genuinely thought I'd stepped on another planet. Like I looked up and I was like, what? Why is everything so tall? Everybody's talking to me at once. <laughs> it was like, it was crazy. But this is the most exciting place I've ever been. And I've been to like a lot of places. I've been lucky enough to be to a lot of places, go to a lot of places with my family over the years. But this is the one that like excites me more than anything. It's so, I love it here. I really do. Would you describe your upbringing, uh, would you say that you were coddled? Because you said that Spain was when you really be, kind of grew up and became a woman. Maybe I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, you're right. Yeah? Yeah, I think my, I have amazing parents who support me in everything I do and you know, drove me to every activity and, and was always, I would ne like, I barely ever took the bus to school. I took the bus to school for a few months, my whole life. And we lived an hour from school. So my mum would drive us to school for an hour, drive home for an hour and then wait for a few hours and come and pick us up. She would be like there every single day to everything. We could lean on her for everything. So we were very, we were very um, protected at all times, you know, and I was lucky to like, I didn't have to like go and get a job at 14 like you know where a lot of my friends did they'd work in like coffee shops or in like you know retail stores and things and where I would be going to dance class I was like really 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 lucky in my upbringing so it was kind of a shock going to Spain and like completely having none of my siblings around and like being looking after myself that was a huge shock but it that's where it felt like it, it I did start to grow up and I'm so glad I had that experience because if I'd stayed at home, it would have been 
I would have still felt like a child probably now, like if I was in the same area. How do you go from being 15 to being 25 and like stay in the same area and don't ever change? Like I find I find that concept hard to understand. I think you need to go and have experiences that will change you, you know? Like that's that's what changed me anyway. I, I, don't, I can't speak for everyone, but that's, I think those experiences changed my perspective on everything. But it sounds like they weren't just, they didn't just coddle you. They also were incredibly supportive and encouraging. Um, Incredibly. That was one of my questions was, you know, who encouraged you? You can be spoiled and pampered. That does, that certainly does not serve someone's ability to drive themselves and to bunker down and to draw within, to find out that if you persevere and you have fortitude, you can make stuff happen. That doesn't mm-hmm. happen unless that doesn't happen with parents who, you know, spoil and pamper their kids. They sounds like they yeah. were well off, but they also were good parents. That I have literally, I'm so lucky to have my parents, and I, my dad, is he? We make jokes about it because he's positive about everything, like everything, like to the point where you just want to, like, dad just be negative for two seconds. Like, do you know what I mean? He's like, he'd wake up at six o'clock in the morning and he'd walk into our room and he'd rip the curtains open and he'd be like, good morning, good morning. Like this. And we'd be like, dad, <laughs> Like he, the alarm would go off in the morning and he'd be like, the opportunity clock has rung. Come on, let's get up, we're going. And I've had it drilled into me since I was a little girl that you can do whatever you set your mind to. You, if you want to do this, do it with everything you have. If you don't and you want to do something else, do that with everything you have. We will support you. I don't care what you want to do. If you want to be a plumber, if you want to be a politician, if you want to be in musical theatre, go and do it with everything that you've got and we will support you no matter what. And like so many people don't have that and I would nowhere near be the person I am without that because I know that I could have easily shrunk into my introvert self and not followed my dreams and not followed what I wanted to do and be doing something that I could be generally happy with day to day. But, but it would all just like my dreams would feel so, so far away, but I've had that upbringing of you can do what you want to do if you, if you put your mind to it and you, and you work really hard. Like they gave me a book to write down my dreams. And I used to be like, my dream is da 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 da. And this dream is, I wish that it was called a wish book. Mm-hmm. I wish that this, and I, when, when like I'd achieve it, I'd like take it off. And I remember it was all in different colors and I like always had, I was always encouraged to like dream and then go and do it. Your dad sounds like a great guy. And, um, he is amazing. But my stepdad had this thing where <laughs> so ridiculous and I hated it. I hated it, but he would, he's a morning person. I have never been a morning person. <laughs> um, and I would it'd be Saturday, you know, whatever. He would do this thing outside my door. It's time to get up in the morning. <laughs> like, like trying to be annoying and yeah. succeeding at it. But it was but similar oh, yeah. to your dad. It's <laughs> anyway. Oh my God. Uh, you look back now and you think, oh, that was nice. But at the time you're like, oh my God, let me sleep. It's so you don't understand me. Time. I'm a teenager. You you wouldn't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. That you don't was my get answer. it. <laughs> yeah. How long have you been acting as a profession? I graduated in July 2018 
and I got my first job was Annette in Saturday Night Fever on Royal Caribbean and that started in November 2018 so about four months after um so since then so, so yeah. you're you're very much in love with New York and because this is actor heaven for sure um yeah not the only one I mean you know London um Chicago uh, Shanghai, Tokyo, there's plenty of places where an actor can make a life, but yeah. New York is, New York is a distinct beast. It's, it's very, very unique. Um, mm-hmm. so are you still just as you should be? I mean, I still am. I've been here five years doing this, but are you still just kind of in a honeymoon, like love this place phase, I guess. And, or do you have, do you envision your, your performing life after New York at some point? I kind of a little bit of both. I feel like I've been here now for six months. And so I'm definitely still in the honeymoon phase of like, I've not seen, I've seen probably 1% of the city, you know, um, and I love it. But I really do have started to feel like I'm finding my own here. And I've started to feel more comfortable in in getting around and and knowing where I'm going and feeling okay walking on my own, which is a big thing for me because I've always been just scared to be alone at night walking on my own it, it scares me it always has um and now I can't I can't really imagine moving somewhere full-time yet because I'm still feel like I've only just arrived here but um because I want to do you know eventually I want to hopefully do Broadway at one point you know and I don't have to stay here until then but um yeah I I, I I think it'd be really cool to go and do some things in different places in America to go and perform. And I'd like to go to LA for a bit. I'd like to do all that. Um, but right now New York is where I'm staying <laughs> for a while. Yeah. 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 You, you fall more in love with it. Um, as someone just, you know, for simplicity's sake, someone who's just been here doing this a little bit longer than you have it. Yeah. The longer you're here, your, your network just continues to grow and you get to a point where you go, wow, this place used to be intimidating, just walking down the sidewalk. And now I just, this is just home. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, I am so comfortable in this world now. Yeah. That's not what most people experience ever. Um, But you're, you're certainly good. You're certainly going to get there. I mean, yeah, and I, I feel like, you know, when I went to Spain, I felt already slightly comfortable with it. I've been to London and it was like, well, this is, you know, it's England. It's just a big city. It, it, it's I feel comfortable here. But when I got here, the first day I got here, I was trying to cross the road, which, by the way, is very different to the UK because it's like one light's on red and then cars are still turning. And it's like, well, I'm going to die. Like, it was terrifying. I tried to cross a road that was like this. And everything was huge and everyone was beeping. And I was like, this is literally Jupiter. I was like, where am I? Like, it, it just felt like no rules applied. And I don't know, I just kind of was the least familiar I've ever been in a place. And it took me like three weeks to feel like I could cross the road alone, like, which sounds ridiculous. But it was like the biggest learning curve of being in a new place. I didn't expect it because be, I've been around, like I've been to quite a few countries. Um, I did not expect to feel, I've been to Miami for two and a half months, you know, rehearsing for Royal Caribbean. So I was like, I didn't expect it to feel so huge and so different, but it does. New York's its own beast. And I I was like, it's intimidating. 
so it's taken me a few a few good months to feel like I can survive a day alone here you know but I think that's yeah. the best thing I, I would hate to go to a place it's like oh totally comfortable day one like in my eyes I'm like what's the point I'd rather go to the place that's like a bit terrifying because then it's like something new is going to happen All of my mentors, the people who have been at this a lot longer than you and I have, have always said you always are your own agent. Even when you have agents, you're doing all of the work. Um, so I'm my own manager, my own agent, my own everything. But agents can open doors that you can't open. That's kind of yeah. the key thing there. So Absolutely. I, I want to know what your experience has been like with, with agents. And then I have a question about film. Okay. Um, I, have had, I have had one agent in the UK who I got from college that I mentioned and they, they're the people who got me the audition for Royal Caribbean um and I found that I've had one agent there and I've had I have a manager currently here Bobby Merritt and she is fantastic and I've realized the difference between an agent and a manager because in the UK we don't really have a difference we kind of have you have an agent and that's kind of it whereas here you have a manager you have an agent you have you know, there's different people do different things. Bobby is like so much more involved in you as a person, and like you're all way all the way around career, rather than go and audition for this job. And if you get it, great. If you don't, go and audition for this job. Whereas Bobby will be like my manager. She'll be saying, um, "Send me all of your 700 headshots, and I'm going to pick the ones that I think are good." You know, she's like. If, if you're not well, she'll send you like recommendations and like she's like send you things for workshops with a guy that she knows you want to work with down the line. And she's just more involved in you as a person and an artist. And you can ask her anything and she will give you her opinion. And like that is the exact kind of opposite of, you know, my agent, my agent in the UK, the, the lovely people. But it's it's more about like the job. And that's that's kind of the top and bottom of it. Whereas the manager is like you as a human, and I find that so much more helpful, especially stepping into like a brand new market. I can ask her anything, and she can give she gives me advice on everything. And like, I I at this point in my career anyway, much prefer having a manager over an agent because it's like it's more of like a guide as well. Especially because I'm not as used to this market as I as I was the UK. I feel like I have a point of reference to ask questions and to get genuine like experience feedback I can ask my mum all I like but she won't know you know I mean like I can ask Bobby and she's had 25 years experience and she's got clients loads of clients have been on Broadway and she, she she knows you know and she cares so deeply about you as a person so like I am so lucky to have her here and I I, I would rather having a manager than an agent now you referenced uh, film or screen earlier on. Um, so that's, is that just kind of like an uncharted territory thing for you? You'd like to explore that? Yeah, for sure. I've, I've always been really interested in doing TV acting. Um, I need to get a, I need to, my, one of my list for the next few months is try and get like a TV reel because obviously I want to go and audition for things, but people want to see something of you on, on screen. I have, a million things on stage, <laughs> lots of videos, 
but on screen it's different and I think as I started getting into acting from going to from hating it to like now it was a very slow and like subtle shift into slowly getting into it and I've been told all the way through that journey you'd be great on film because you're doing it very subtle you know you're not but for theatre you need to reach the back wall so bigger 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 so like my natural is a lot more subtle and a lot more you need to be here to see what I'm thinking you know so I've been told a lot you would be good on screen but I've just never explored it yet and I really would love to because of working with you in brilliance um that's clear to me that you would you would you would be able to do the shift to screen work one of the things that really stood out to me and this will will have us going into brilliance is I was I was kind of overwhelmed. I didn't, ex- I, I had no, in no way um, was anticipating you being an exceptional actor I, because there are just so many people who, who have two of the three. Um, they can dance, they can mm-hmm. sing, but especially in musicals, it's, it's kind of like in musicals in a professional level, it's different, but in musicals, it, there's not an expectation for you to be a really, really good actor. And that's, that's how, that's my thing. My acting is my thing. I've learned, mm-hmm. I've taken voice lessons and I'll, I can move, but that's uncomfortable. And, and <laughs> as you know, from the, rehe- the, 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 uh, the rehearsal no. rooms, um, <laughs> it's so uncomfortable for me, but, but I've, I've, learned, no. I've learned to do it. I've learned to do it. Um, but yeah, in the moments we have together on stage, I, in the beginning, I was just like, holy shit, this is a real actor that, that also is an exceptional dancer and an exceptional singer. It's really nice to mix it up with someone like you. How did you becoming the lead in Brilliance come about? So I came to New York to do a show called Mike and Mindy's Wild Weekend Jam at the Players Theatre in November. And it was a three-week rehearsal process, three weeks of shows. And after one of the shows, an audience member came up to me and introduced himself as Lance Lumen. And this is my son, Gabriel Kane. And um, we loved the show. We loved the show. Um, we have a show. We've written a musical called Brilliance. And he started telling me about it. He said, you know Francis Farmer? And I was like, I think I know the name. Why do I know that name? And he started telling me about it. And I was like, I'm not sure if I do, if I do know her, told me the whole story. I was like, I need to know who this is. This sounds like an amazing story. Um, They said, we are doing a show in March and April next year, and we'd love for you to come to an audition. So I was like, amazing. Absolutely. I'll be there. A few months later, they text me and said, the auditions have come out and backstage. Do you still want to audition? Yes. Did a self tape in December for two characters, actually. I auditioned for Francis Farmer and for Actor Six, playing Les, Sadie, and um, Nurse Teresa. So I did those those two different parts, and then got called back to do the final callback in January as Francis. And they didn't call me back for the other one for, for Actor Six. Um, so then went to the final audition, um, did a tap number, which I didn't expect. <laughs> um, and sang again in person, did all the scenes. And then a few days later, got an email saying, we'd love to offer you the part, Francis Farmer. So I was like, um, okay, I'll do it. Absolutely. So that's how we met. That's how I met Lance. Um, 
yeah, through Mike and Mindy, which was just, I was so happy that he came to see the show. And last night at the show, I met a gentleman who came to see Brilliance who actually recommended Mike and Mindy to, to Lance. He came to watch Mike and Mindy and he's the one who said to Lance, you should go see the show. And I went, well, thank you because you're the reason I'm here. I didn't even know that. And he was lovely. So everything happens for a reason. That's great. I think I passed that gentleman in the hallway as that, as a little conversation. I don't know if it was with you or not, but as, yeah. as that was happening, that's yeah, that's beautiful. None of us, I think can say enough about the, the prowess of the production team. It's just, it really is a dream team. Um, it really, really is. Yeah. I mean, having been directed by Bobby last summer in somewhere I can scream at players theater, he made actors. It, it was an impressive thing to watch. Um, and like you said, with, you know, Evan, he is an absolute dream of a human being. Just, uh, I just want to follow everything he does. He's just so good. Like the music is fantastic that Lance and his family wrote for this. But for him to actually write a full orchestra for it, um, wow. yeah, I mean, it he, adds, it add, like, it adds to the music. It, it adds all these other layers to the music that it's like, it's like Lance and, and his family have written this unreal score. And that was the first thing I, I noticed when I got the audition was, oh my gosh, these songs. I, I my audition song was "Make My Home," and I li I listened to the first line, and I was like, "Oh, like this!" I was like, "It's so nice. I love it." I feel like it's always a toss up with new stuff. You didn't, you never know what it's going to be like, but it was just it's amazing. And then Evans just layered it with all of his incredible knowledge and like his personality, and adding that band when we did Sits Probe, that like leveled everything up as well. That we all had goosebumps during that Sits Probe. I know. It was it's unreal. Just so cool. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and also, you know, the musicians that he hired to do those parts, um, you know, Mike on the, uh, on the bass is killing it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah. Yada, yada. They're all fantastic. But uh, yeah. Thanks for coming, Shy. Really appreciate it. I was going to ask Bethany one quick question. Have you ever done any writing? Because I know you said you're interested in directing. Have you ever written a play or short film or anything like that? I've never written a full play, but I have written like various monologues and things. And I would love to be able to write a full play. Like that is again, one of my goals because I love writing as well. Um, that is on the list to do. I've written like individual monologues, but not like a full, a full musical or a full play, but one day I will. And I'll let you know, oh, okay. <laughs> I'll let you know right. when I write it. Does anybody stand out to you when you think of like, finding your francis along the way have have certain people in the cast helped with any of that or has that been more of a you and and or production team thing i think i have to say jerry because jerry plays my mum in the show and one i think she's incredible i think she is literally you know as soon as we did the zoom reading i said to my boyfriend i was like jerry is incredible and I'm so excited to work with her as my mom because I knew we had to have a connection. So I was like, I'm so glad that she's gonna she's gonna challenge me. Like and and you know, we're gonna play off each other and like we're both gonna be like I'm so glad she's one of those people who wants to find a reason for everything. And then she finds it or she'll she'll talk to Lance about it and she'll be saying, I don't know why we're saying this. I think maybe this is a good idea and then Lance will be like 
you know he's he's very gracious with that like you know if, if 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 one of us says i don't think this line fits well with the way that i'm doing it is there a way that we could do it change the lines like absolutely what's your idea and he asks you know he helps he lets you put your ideas in i think jerry has really um been somebody who has informed my francis because they were so close in real life that we really one of our main goals in this show was to really show that relationship and make it as believable as possible that we really have a lot of nuances in our relationship and it's not just we're playing mum and daughter it's like we care so deeply about the other person and we both care so deeply about the story of these two people that like us together i really feel like it's like a tennis match every night and it's different every single night and I've, I've worked with a lot of people who, and this is just the way they work, but they do it the same every single night, no matter what, because that's their show and that's the way that works. And this is like, this is how it goes. And that's perfectly fine if that's the way that you work. And I've learned the last few years, like doing some Meisner training and things with Ted Wald Studios here, who is incredible, by the way. Ted Wald, absolutely love him. And Jerry does Meisner as well. And it's all about, you only play off what the other actor gives you. You don't just, because if you're in autopilot, what's the point? Like in my eyes, I just feel like that's not playing. That's not like being alive on stage. If something goes wrong, what on earth's going to happen? Because you just, well, that's not what happens. You know, like this is what happens in the show. And if something goes wrong, what do I do? You have to be like alive on the stage. And she's so alive. And it just, it pushes me to want to do more and be better and, 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 rise to her level you know and I think she has really influenced the way that I play Francis and the relationship between us I feel gets stronger as the shows go on because our relationship as actors gets stronger you know we we've spent time outside of the show just getting coffee together and we take the train home together every night and we talk about our lives and things and I think having that that kind of actor to work with as somebody who is like playing your mom on stage who are meant to be like care so deeply about each other has really informed the way that we play the show what was your process like finding your francis um i think well originally before i auditioned i watched the, sh the film because lance said watch francis if you don't know who she is you need to know you know you know watch the film and get an idea and I never, ever, ever usually watch anything where someone's playing the same character as I'm going to play because I never want it to dictate the way that I do it at all. And I literally watched it before I auditioned. I wouldn't, if I'd got the role before I'd watched it, I wouldn't have watched it. Do you know what I mean? But I watched it to know who this person was. And I feel like as soon as I knew that story, I like kind of had to put that out of my mind. And then as soon as I read the script, I just thought like if this was me and this was happening to me right now how would I feel and I, I like I relate like you know Clifford Odets to people in my life who've made me feel heartbroken or made me feel completely betrayed or left me you know in the dust and thank god I've not had a, a dramatic as a dramatic as of life as Frances did but I can relate on like a base level to many of her emotions and I kind of in my mind replace that person with somebody in my life or in a, a situation in my life. And I think I haven't really thought I'm trying to be Francis Farmer. I'm just telling the story as it is from the page, how I would 
if I was in that situation in a way. Obviously, there's circumstances like, you know, she felt this at this point or she, you know, she thought this and this was what, she, which you have to go by, obviously. But I really try to make it, it's not like this immortal human that I'm trying to like live up to. It's kind of like me in that situation. How would I react? Because I think if, if you if you go for like, I'm trying to be this thing, this icon or this person, it's like I kind of end up setting myself up for failure in a way. You know, because you always think, well, I'm never going to be that. So why? So so how am I going to do it? You know, I think if you relate it to yourself, that's how that's how I've got to the point of now. You know. Well, have you ever played a, a character with mental health, like prominent mental health issues? No, I haven't ever played. I've never played anyone with mental health issues at all. Um, so this, when I read the script, I was like, wow this is going to be a challenge and this is going to be something that a lot of audience members can relate to in their own way. So this has to be real. This can't be something that you've seen somewhere done and you're trying to imitate something. So I did a lot of research before rehearsals even began. Um, and I think, you know, I luckily like haven't had any like addiction problems in my family. I've not really experienced that. Like I've never been around that but I have friends who have, and I've heard stories from that and how it affects other people and what things would ha how, how things affected people. And obviously, you know, watched, read a lot of stuff um, online. And I'm just kind of trying to do my best version of how I feel that, if that would affect me, if that's how I felt, how would it come out of my body? And how, how would I, react if I felt so if I felt uncomfortably in pain because I was desperate to go and do something that I was addicted to like how how would that make me feel inside I'd be so frustrated and everything that everyone would say to me would just annoy me and I would just just get away from me get away from me get away, you know it and that's like one of one of the scenes without wrecking the story you know it's like I'm just trying to relate on any base level that I possibly can to try and get into where she was at that point because you know over the pandemic I've never been um I've never been like a very anxious person until the pandemic happened and like everything you know everything shut down and it was like when's everything going to start I was away from my boyfriend for nine and a half months and we had no idea when we were going to see each other again it was a very anxiety inducing a lot of things you know and that luckily is the only like my peek into like a mental health thing has been like developing like anxiety generalized anxiety over the over the course of the covid um and even that i know how bad that feels you know and i know how that changed my attitude towards people in certain situations and because it's just pure panic or it's just pure like stress over something you can't think about anything but that panicked thing that you're thinking about you get fixated and i think if someone was addicted it'd be that but towards that thing and it'd be you know I can't relate because I haven't had it, but I can relate in my own way and I can try and replace it and and do it from where I would really feel that, that feeling. Thank you again for your time. I really do appreciate it. And it's been lovely getting to know you. It's been lovely. Thank you so much. And I'll see you on Thursday. Okay. Night. Bye. Night.